Chapter Four of Zastrozzi, a Romance. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Martin Giessen. Zastrozzi, a Romance by Percy Bysshe Shelley. Chapter Four. But let us return to Zastrozzi. He had walked with Ugo on the heath and had returned late. He was surprised to see no light in the cottage. He advanced to the door. He rapped violently. No one answered. Very strange, exclaimed Sastrozzi, as he burst open the door with his foot. He entered the cottage. No one was there. He searched it and at last saw Bernardo lying seemingly lifeless at the foot of the staircase. Zastrozzi advanced to him, and lifted him from the ground. He had been but in a trance, and immediately recovered. As soon as his astonishment was dissipated, he told what had happened. "'What?' exclaimed Zastrozzi, interrupting him. Verezzi escaped. Hell and furies! Villain, you deserve instant death, but thy life is at present necessary to me. Arise, go instantly to Rosenheim, and bring three of my horses from the inn there. Make haste, be gone! Bernardo trembling arose, and obeying Zastrozzi's commands, crossed the heath quickly towards Rosenheim, a village about half a league distant on the north. Whilst he was gone, Zastrozzi, agitated by contending passions, knew scarcely what to do. With hurried strides he paced the cottage. He sometimes spoke lowly to himself. The feelings of his soul flashed from his eyes. His frown was terrible. Would I had his heart reeking on my dagger, signor, said Ugo. Kill him when you catch him, which you soon will, I am sure. Ugo, said Sastrozzi, you are my friend, you advise me well, but no, he must not die. Ah, by what horrible fetters am I chained, fool that I was! Ugo, he shall die, die by the most hellish torments. I give myself up to fate. I will taste revenge, for revenge is sweeter than life. And even were I to die with him, and does the punishment of my crime be instantly plunged into eternal torments? I should taste superior joy in recollecting the sweet moment of his destruction. Oh, would that destruction could be eternal! The clattering of hoofs was heard, and was now interrupted by the arrival of Bernardo. They instantly mounted, and the high-spirited steeds bore them swiftly across the heath. Rapidly, for some time, were Zastrozzi and his companions borne across the plain. 
they took the same road as verezzi had they passed the pines where he reposed they hurried on the fainting horses were scarce able to bear their guilty burthens no one had spoken since they had left the clustered pines bernardo's horse overcome by excessive fatigue sank on the ground that of Sastrozzi scarce appeared in better condition they stopped what exclaimed Sastrozzi, must we give up the search ah i am afraid we must our horses can proceed no farther curse on the horses but let us proceed on foot verezzi shall not escape me nothing shall now retard the completion of my just revenge as he thus spoke zastrozzi's eye gleamed with impatient revenge and with rapid steps he advanced towards the south of the heath daylight at length appeared still were the villain's efforts to find verezzi inefficient hunger thirst and fatigue conspired to make them relinquish the pursuit they lay at intervals upon the stony soil this is but an uncomfortable couch signor muttered ugo zastrozzi whose whole thoughts were centred in revenge heeded him not but nerved anew by impatient vengeance he started from the bosom of the earth and muttering curses upon the innocent object of his hatred proceeded onwards the day passed as had the morning and preceding night their hunger was scantily allayed by the wild berries which grew amid the heathy shrubs and their thirst but increased by the brackish pools of water which alone they met with they perceived a wood at some distance that is a likely place for verezzi to have retired to for the day is hot and he must want repose as well as ourselves said bernardo true replied zastrozzi as he advanced towards it they quickly arrived at its borders it was not a wood but an immense forest which stretched southward as far as schaufhausen they advanced into it the tall trees rising above their heads warded off the meridian sun the mossy banks beneath invited repose but zastrozzi little recking a scene so fair hastily scrutinized every recess which might afford an asylum to verezzi useless were all his researches fruitless his endeavours still however though faint with hunger and weary with exertion he nearly sank upon the turf his mind was superior to corporeal toil for that nerved by revenge was indefatigable ugo and bernardo overcome by the extreme fatigue which they had undergone and strong as the assassins were fell fainting on the earth the sun began to decline 
at last it sank beneath the western mountain and the forest tops were tinged by its departing ray the shades of night rapidly thickened zastrozzi sat awhile upon the decayed trunk of a scathed oak the sky was serene the blue ether was spangled with countless myriads of stars the tops of the lofty forest trees waved mournfully in the evening wind and the moonbeam penetrating at intervals as they moved through the matted branches threw dubious shades upon the dark underwood beneath ugo and bernardo conquered by irresistible torpor sank to rest upon the dewy turf a scene so fair a scene so congenial to those who can reflect upon their past lives with pleasure and anticipate the future with the enthusiasm of innocence ill accorded with the ferocious soul of zastrozzi which at one time agitated by revenge at another by agonizing remorse or contending passions could derive no pleasure from the past anticipate no happiness in futurity zastrozzi sat for some time immersed in heart-rending contemplations but though conscience for a while reflected his past life in images of horror again was his heart steeled by fiercest vengeance and aroused by images of insatiate revenge he hastily arose and waking ugo and bernardo pursued his course the night was calm and serene not a cloud obscured the azure brilliancy of the spangled concave above not a wind ruffled the tranquillity of the atmosphere below Zastrozzi, Ugo, and Bernardo advanced into the forest. They had tasted no food, save the wild berries of the wood, for some time, and were anxious to arrive at some cottage where they might procure refreshments. For some time the deep silence which reigned was uninterrupted. "'What is that?' exclaimed zastrozzi as he beheld a large and magnificent building whose battlements rose above the lofty trees it was built in the gothic style of architecture and appeared to be inhabited the building reared its pointed casements loftily to the sky their treillaged ornaments were silvered by the clear moonlight to which the dark shades of the arches beneath formed a striking contrast a large portico jutted out they advanced towards it and attempted to open the door an open window on one side of the casement arrested zastrozzi's attention let us enter that said he they entered it was a large saloon with many windows everything within was arranged with princely magnificence 
four ancient and immense sofas in the apartment invited repose near one of the windows stood a table with an escritoire on it a paper lay on the ground near it Zastrozzi, as he passed heedlessly took up the paper he advanced nearer to the window thinking his senses had deceived him when he read la contessa di laurentini but they had not done so for la contessa di laurentini still continued on the paper he hastily opened it and the letter though of no importance convinced him that this must have been the place to which matilda said that she had removed ugo and bernardo lay sleeping on the sofas sastrozzi leaving them as they were opened an opposite door it led into a vaulted hall a large flight of stairs rose from the opposite side he ascended them he advanced along a lengthened corridor a female in white robes stood at the other end a lamp burnt near her on the balustrade she was in a reclining attitude and had not observed his approach Zastrozzi recognized her for matilda he approached her and beholding Zastrozzi before her she started back with surprise for a while she gazed on him in silence and at last exclaimed Zastrozzi, ah are we revenged on julia am i happy answer me quickly well by your silence do i perceive that our plans have been put into execution excellent Zastrozzi, accept my most fervent thanks my eternal gratitude matilda returned Zastrozzi, would i could say that we were happy but alas it is but misery and disappointment that causes this my so unexpected visit i know nothing of the marchesa di strobazzo less of verezzi i fear that i must wait till age has unstrung my now so fervent energies and when time has damped your passion perhaps you may gain verezzi's love julia is returned to italy is even now in naples and secure in the immensity of her possessions laughs at our trifling vengeance but it shall not be always thus continued Sastrozzi, his eyes sparkling with inexpressible brilliancy i will accomplish my purpose and matilda thine shall likewise be effected but come i have not tasted food for these two days oh supper is prepared below said matilda seated at the supper-table the conversation enlivened by wine took an animated turn after some subjects irrelevant to this history being discussed matilda said ah but i forgot to tell you that i have done some good 
i have secured that diabolical paolo julia's servant who was of great service to her and by penetrating our schemes might have even discomfited our grand design i have lodged him in the lowest cavern of those dungeons which are under this building will you go and see him sastrozzi answered in the affirmative and seizing a lamp which burnt in the recess of the apartment followed matilda the rays of the lamp but partially dissipated the darkness as they advanced through the antiquated passages they arrived at a door matilda opened it and they quickly crossed a grass-grown courtyard the grass which grew on the lofty battlements waved mournfully in the rising blast as matilda and sastrozzi entered a dark and narrow casement cautiously they descended the slippery and precipitous steps the lamp obscured by the vapours burnt dimly as they advanced they arrived at the foot of the staircase sastrozzi exclaimed matilda sastrozzi turned quickly and perceiving a door obeyed matilda's directions on some straw chained to the wall lay paolo oh pity stranger pity exclaimed the miserable paolo no answer save a smile of most expressive scorn was given by sastrozzi they again ascended the narrow staircase and passing the courtyard arrived at the supper-room but said sastrozzi again taking his seat what use is that fellow paolo in the dungeon why do you keep him there oh answered matilda i know not but if you wish she paused but her eye expressively filled up the sentence sastrozzi poured out an overflowing goblet of wine he summoned ugo and bernardo take that said matilda presenting them a key one of the villains took it and in a few moments returned with the hapless paolo paolo sastrozzi exclaimed loudly i have prevailed on la contessa to restore your freedom here added he take this i pledge you to your future happiness paolo bowed low he drank the poisoned potion to the dregs and overcome by sudden and irresistible faintness fell at sastrozzi's feet sudden convulsions shook his frame his lips trembled his eyes rolled horribly and uttering an agonized and lengthened groan he expired ugo bernardo take that body and bury it immediately cried sastrozzi there matilda by such means must julia die you see that the poisons which i possess are quick in their effect 
a pause ensued during which the eyes of zastrozzi and matilda spoke volumes to each guilty soul the silence was interrupted by matilda not shocked at the dreadful outrage which had been committed she told zastrozzi to come out into the forest for that she had something for his private ear matilda said zastrozzi as they advanced along the forest i must not stay here and waste moments in inactivity which might be more usefully employed i must quit you to-morrow i must destroy julia zastrozzi returned matilda i am so far from wishing you to spend your time here in ignoble listlessness that i will myself join your search you shall to italy to naples watch julia's every movement attend her every step and in the guise of a friend destroy her but beware whilst you assume the softness of the dove to forget not the cunning of the serpent on you i depend for destroying her my own exertions shall find verezzi i myself will gain his love julia must die and expiate the crime of daring to rival me with her hated blood while they thus conversed whilst they planned these horrid schemes of destruction the night wore away the moonbeam darting her oblique rays from under volumes of lowering vapour threatened an approaching storm the lurid sky was tinged with a yellowish lustre the forest tops rustled in the rising tempest big drops fell a flash of lightning and instantly after a peal of bursting thunder struck with sudden terror the bosom of matilda she however immediately overcame it and regarding the battling element with indifference continued her discourse with zastrozzi they wore out the night in many visionary plans for the future and now and then a gleam of remorse assailed matilda's heart heedless of the storm they had remained in the forest late flushed with wickedness they at last sought their respective couches but sleep forsook their pillow in all the luxuriance of extravagant fancy matilda portrayed the symmetrical form the expressive countenance of verezzi whilst zastrozzi who played a double part anticipated with ferocious exultation the torments which he she loved was eventually fated to endure and changed his plan for a sublimer mode of vengeance was open to his view matilda passed a night of restlessness and agitation her mind was harassed by contending passions 
and her whole soul wound up to deeds of horror and wickedness Zastrozzi's countenance as she met him in the breakfast parlour wore a settled expression of determined revenge i almost shudder exclaimed matilda at the sea of wickedness on which i am about to embark but still verezzi ah for him would i even lose my hopes of eternal happiness in the sweet idea of calling him mine no scrupulous delicacy no mistaken superstitious fear shall prevent me from deserving him by daring acts no i am resolved continued matilda as recollecting his graceful form her soul was assailed by tenfold love and i am likewise resolved said sastrozzi i am resolved on revenge my revenge shall be gratified julia shall die and verezzi sastrozzi paused his eye gleamed with a peculiar expression and matilda thought he meant more than he had said she raised her eyes they encountered his the gilt-bronzed cheek of Zastrozzi was tinged with a momentary blush, but it quickly passed away, and his countenance recovered its wonted firm and determined expression. "'Zastrozzi!' exclaimed Matilda, "'should you be false? Should you seek to deceive me? But no, it is impossible. Pardon, my friend i meant not what i said my thoughts are crazed tis well said sastrozzi haughtily but you forgive my momentary unmeaning doubt said matilda and fixed her unmeaning eyes on his countenance it is not for us to dwell on vain unmeaning expressions which the soul dictates not returned sastrozzi and i sue for pardon from you for having by ambiguous expressions caused the least agitation but believe me matilda we will not forsake each other your cause is mine distrust between us is foolish but farewell for the present i must order bernardo to go to passau to purchase horses the day passed on each waited with impatience for the arrival of bernardo farewell matilda exclaimed sastrozzi as he mounted the horses which bernardo brought and taking the route of italy galloped off end of chapter four Recording by Martin Giessen in Hazelmere, Surrey.